you're listening to the Saluki Gamescast. This is episode 55 for September 22nd, 2023. My name is Justin Young. Joining me, as always, are Alicia Utech, Mario Sanders, and OJ Duncan. How's everyone doing? I just, going? I just want to let everyone know I am the third most powerful person on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> Who's It'll come up later. four? <laughs> <laughs> It'll come up later. I feel like as a seniority thing, I've... I've I would be okay being fourth. I feel like I may be fourth as a faculty member. (laughs) I have no real power. This is what I always tell my students when they complain to me about stuff. I said, do you think the university cares what I have to say? (laughs) Like, you go complain to them. Like, they care a lot more about what you think than me. (laughs) Fact. Uh, How's everyone's week been? It's been very busy. It's been very busy. I... I need a break. <laughs> I need a nap and a break. <laughs> We're less than two months into the semester and already do I need a break time. Oh, yeah. It's only going to get busier. Once we hit October, I do not have a single weekend that I'm not traveling at least two hours. <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. I can't wait. <laughs> Is that mostly for conferences or personal um, travel? It's a combination of both. I think I have... Because we have a performance festival, and then we I guess I'm not traveling that next weekend, but we have the Klein Out show of it. And then I have a weekend with my sister in Chicago, and then I have another Klein Out thing and going to a show in St. Louis. And then it's NCA, so traveling out near D.C. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be nonstop. <laughs> yeah. It's busy, but hopefully some of those end up being fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. It sounds like some of them could be fun. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the Chicago weekend with my sister. Mm-hmm. And, like, we, we managed to get an Airbnb where I can bring my cat with so she mm-hmm. gets to see him again. And Nice. And he'll like that. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. maybe not the travel part. But he'll <laughs> like once he's there. You know, mm-hmm. he's actually really good in the car. He okay. he hates getting into the carrier, but mm-hmm. once he's in the carrier and he's in the car, he's fine. Okay. Actually, that's how my cats are for the most mm-hmm. part. Like, once you get them into the carrier, get them into the car, they kind of just lay down, take a nap. Exactly. <laughs> and it's really getting them into the carrier. Where yeah. They want to, you know, take your face off. <laughs> <laughs> They've accepted their fate by that point. Yeah. Uh, truly. I guess I'm here now. <laughs> truly. They're truly realist. And like, <laughs> I used to have a cat that when you'd put her into the car, for the first 30 minutes of a trip, she would just scream mm. incessantly. And then I think she just wore herself out and just went to sleep. <laughs> and you we were like, oh, okay, well, don't wake up. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody make any loud noises. Yeah. Well, like, I remember when I first brought Faramir home, my my mom and sister brought him halfway, and I met them halfway. So I had six hours to drive home. And as soon as I got in the car and, like, tried to get going again after lunch, he freaked out. And then the first time that I took him to Petco to, like, get him a harness and all that, he freaked out. And I was like, oh, yeah, last time you got in a car, you switched humans. It's like, no wonder you're freaking out. No, it's okay. You're still coming home with me. (laughs) Yeah. And Wesley hasn't had a major freak out yet, so that's nice. (laughs) I had to give my cats their flea medicine. Uh, When's it? Yesterday, I guess I gave that to them. And um, my female cat, who's older, um, she doesn't mind getting hers like she's not happy about it but like she's fine with it she's had it enough time my younger male cat he like runs and hides like oh, as yeah. soon as i get the box out he like he recognizes the box and he runs and hides so he he averted me all day 
And so I, I had to wait till I got home and he sleeps under the covers of my bed. So I went in there and I saw his little lump under the covers. And so I just went and got the flea medicine. And I came back in there and just pulled the covers back real quick. And he like turned and looked at me like <laughs> in a horror film. And I just <laughs> grabbed hold of the back of his neck and put it on there real quick. So I feel like now he'll never sleep under the covers again. <laughs> or he'll sit there and have nightmares while he's under them. So I may have traumatized him for life. Nah, uh, he'll forgive you. <laughs> I must say, my mom is going to love the beginning of this podcast. She's a cat person. <laughs> there we go. We're creating exclusively content for Mario's mom. <laughs> That's like my mom will try to listen and she just gets lost because she's not into video games. <laughs> but you can send this one and be like, look, doesn't matter if you're into video games. Listen to the beginning of this. The first seven minutes. It's right up your alley. <laughs> Same for my mom. She would enjoy the opening. After that, she won't care at all. So what I'm hearing is, is that this is the mom episode? Yes. <laughs> Actually, uh, I might send this to Sandy because the first episode we ever did of the podcast, she like saw me the next day and she was like, I tried listening to it and I really liked it up until you got talking about the games. And I was like, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and she said, it sounded good. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think that's where we lose most of our audience. <laughs> yeah. We should really, yes, just pivot. And this is no longer the Saluki games cast. It's the Saluki pet cast. It's our focus from now on. Um, all the moms. You know what? We'll just bring back all the playing for pets vibes, and there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe we'll do that. Next time we do playing for pets, we'll do an entire episode focused on pets. <laughs> we'll just invert everything. <laughs> pets in video games. Yep. There we go. Yeah. What is your favorite uh, uh, dog you can pet? <laughs> we'll try to get the, um, the person who runs that Twitter uh, feed yes. on here. Yes. Yeah. I did read one time, uh, developers hate that guy <laughs> because, because now they all have to spend time and effort to program that into their <laughs> games so that you can interact with the dogs. And uh, he, was, he made some comment about, well, I, I didn't mean this to be a bird. <laughs> it's supposed to be fun. <laughs> I was watch, watching a friend play Hades, and he finished up a run, and as he was going to start, and I was like, hold on, wait, can you please pet Cerberus for me? <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. You Cerberus, you're a good boy, and a good boy, and a good boy. <laughs> There's an achievement in Final Fantasy 16, so they make you pet the dog. I love that. <laughs> I've seen a few games where you do get, like, an achievement or some reward if you stop and pet <laughs> the dog. So, And then there's me. I just remember watching videos of speed runs of breath of the wild where it's like okay how fast can you pet all the dogs but then also like how fast can you put butter on all the dogs and like just <laughs> the weirdest stuff you should not butter a hot dog that's weird <laughs> what if it's a cold dog don't eat those <laughs> you'll get salmonella <laughs> Um, all right. Well, let's move on to what you've been playing. Uh, sorry, moms. This is the point you can tune out. <laughs> um, Alicia, what have you been playing? So I have finally gotten the chance to start playing the Teal Mask DLC of Pokemon Violet. Okay. And I don't think I'm super far in. I may, My guess would be I'm maybe like a third of the way in. But I am honestly having a great time. 
Like, on the one hand, it's hilarious because you're in this new region and they bring back a lot of familiar Pokemon who we haven't seen in a while. So, like, Bellsprout and Hoot Hoot and all these, like, Gen 1, Gen 2 Pokemon. But they also know that it's DLC after you've beaten the game. So you're seeing, like, level 63 Bellsprout. (laughs) (laughs) Like, level 70 Hoot Hoot. And you're just like, (laughs) these are... Route to level two <laughs> Pokemon. <Yeah. laughs> so that's a lot of, that's brought sparking quite a lot of joy in my life. But also I think that this is really continuing the trend of Gen 9 has the strongest story in a Pokemon game. Probably a lot of people will say since black and white, I think ever. <laughs> this is currently Gen 9. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I still I'm still mind blown by the professor twist at the end of the main game and like Right, that was like our best story moment yeah. of last year or it was one of the two. I forget yeah. if it was one or second place. I mean, that's still I think is one of the and then I was watching a YouTube video and someone pointed out even like when you go back to Gen 1 if you the Gen 1 remakes, so not the very original, but Fire Red and Leaf Green, if you interact with the TV in the player's home, the text box will be like, oh, you know, mom's watching a movie about four friends, you know, they're at a railroad track. I better get going. (laughs) And in Gen 9, before you go down into Area Zero, Arvin makes a comment that the professor is really just railroading you. Mm. Well, that... Reference in Fire Red Leaf Green is to the film Stand By Me. Mm-hmm. And what are they searching for in that film? A body. What does the professor turn out to be? <laughs> wow. Just like yeah. the the thought put into these things mm-hmm. blows my mind. And I think Teal Mask is really continuing. I Kieran is my child. I would die for him. I just want to protect him and keep him safe forever. <laughs> <laughs> so this is new story content. Is it story content set within the already established world, or is this adding new areas to the game? It So it adds a new area. So the main game of Scarlet and Violet takes place in Paldea. Um, in this, in the DLC, you are an, you're going as, like, an exchange student to the region of Kitakami. Okay. And Has that appeared in a Pokemon game? No, brand new. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you you get there, and it's kind of a group exchange. So you have students from your academy, which now I forget what the name for it is in Scarlet because it's different in Scarlet and Violet, but your school and then from Blueberry Academy. And, of course, the two from Blueberry Academy are from this village. So, like, you go and meet their grandparents, and you get to know them. And it is it is just really charming and also really fun in terms of Kitakami has all this lore around the loyal three and this myth about there was an ogre who came down and was attacking the village and the loyal three were three Pokemon that fought fought it off and were killed and so every year the they do the festival of masks to like honor the loyal three and all that and then, so what you're doing in the first place is 
your first assignment as part of this exchange program is to partner up with one of the students from Blueberry Academy and go around and visit these signs that explain the myth and explain kind of the history of the region. And as you're doing that, of course, you find out more. And I won't say all that because it's still early enough that I'm like, yeah, spoilers. But it's just really, I think that this is, again, I think that this is Pokemon's biggest lore development in a game. Because I think a lot of the lore in Pokemon tends to come more from the manga and the anime than the games, whereas with with Gen 9, they're really interested in, like, what does the history of the world look like? What does the future of it look like? How does How does history get twisted by being drowned out by the loudest voice? Right. So I I'm really enjoying it so far. Like I said, I'm I'm not super far in. I've found two of the three signs, but I know that there's more beyond finding all three signs. So I'm having a good time. I I really hope that I have a chance this weekend to sit down and just play for more than thirty minutes. <laughs> right. Is the lore within the anime and the manga and the games is that all like a shared continuity or uh, Typically, typically I mean, does, yes does, in some ways and no in others. So, does, like, does Ash exist within the manga and the games, or just the cartoon? So, Ash is specific to the cartoon. The manga and the games connect more in terms of. So, what what the manga does is always the player character and the rival character. Every time they start a new gen the player character and the rival character become characters in the manga. So, like, when it first started, Red was the the name given to the player character for Gen 1, and Blue was the name given to the player char- the rival character for Gen 1. Mm-hmm. And so as the games have gone on, like, even in, even in Gen 2, Blue is the established 8th gym leader after Giovanni's out of the game. <laughs> And so, and then as you keep going through, I think Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon brought back Red and Blue where, like, you could choose to fight against one of them and test your skill that way. Mm. So in in that sense, there's continuity, but also the Red and Blue of the games are not exactly the Red and Blue of the manga. Like, in the games, Red is silent. He says maybe, I think... he says like five words over the course of all of the games, including like Pokemon Masters and other spinoffs. He is not silent in the manga. <laughs> he is a little chatterbox. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's kind of an adaptation issue, right? Like yeah. you can't the silent protagonist doesn't work in some mediums. Yeah, and so like a lot of like the world lore in terms of you know. People still catch and cook Farfetch'd with its leak that it has. And, like, that's a thing. (laughs) But the characters don't necessarily cross over. And then there's a lot of stuff with, like, Yellow is my girl. I love her. And, like, there's development with how she can communicate with Pokemon telepathically because she's a child of of. Viridian Forest, like, she was born there, she grew up there, and, like, you find out that Lance, 
who was the final member of the Elite Four in Gen 1 and the champion in Gen 2, also can. You get a lot more with... And I'm speaking mostly to early manga because I think I fell off somewhere around Ruby and Sapphire. So, like, most of my Pokemon manga knowledge is Gen 1 and Gen 2. Sure. But, like, in Gen, in Gen 1, several of the gym leaders are members of Team Rocket. And so you get really interesting explorations with that. And that's one of the things that has never been in the games. It's It's been implied in a couple of them, but in that, like, again, the characters in the games and the characters in the manga, they share a name, they share a face, but they're not the same people. Right. Okay. I wasn't sure how... I knew, like, Ash, like, wasn't in any of the games that I was aware of, but... I didn't know if, like, at some point the games were like, and a long time ago there was a great gym leader or, you know, great <laughs> no. Pokemon master, and by the name, he, he had a special Pikachu, and, <laughs> no, like, they for a just while did people, those sorts of illusions. For a while people tried to figure out, because, again, Ash and Red look identical because Ash is based on the game protagonist, just right. like Red is. But So for, for a while there was a theory that Red would be revealed to be Ash's father, but, like, Delia Ketchum's never in the manga. There's no... And also, red and yellow, special shipping forever. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't Ash's mom end up, like, dating Mr. Mime? No! Yes. Mr. Mime is Ash's stepdad. <laughs> stepdad, sure, but... <laughs> <laughs> How is he his stepdad and they're not dating? <laughs> That's even weirder. <laughs> Because he's in the house and he takes care of him. <laughs> but but the mom and Mr. Mime aren't actually dating. No. They're married. <laughs> is, is no. This, is that what they no. just tell Obvious, Ash? Obviously, if like, we're shipping that... Ash's mom with anyone, it's Professor Oak, okay? Like, <laughs> does Ash wake up in the middle of the night and Mr. Mime is walking out of his mom's bedroom? <laughs> and, and he's like, oh, you know, like, what's going on here? And Mr. Mime is... You know, he can't say anything, so he's, like, wildly <laughs> gesticulating, <laughs> which just makes it worse. <laughs> like there's, there's no gesticulating that would actually be clean. In that <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, all right, so it sounds good. Sounds like you're pleased with the DLC, which is, like, not always the case with DLC. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I do think that this one's worth it. And like I said, I, I'm... I'm guessing I'm only a third of the way in. You know, I know that you get to battle the loyal three at some point, and like I'm nowhere near that. But beyond that, I have no idea what's coming next. So, sure. I'm guessing where I'm at, but I would be very happy if I kept playing and found out, like, lol, no, you're like an eighth of the way through. There's so much <laughs> more to do. <laughs> all right. Well, that sounds good. Um, all right. Is that it? Pokemon? DLC? Yeah, I, I did open up Pokemon Go again, but I haven't, like, opened it a lot. I, I'll i be real. I opened it because the notification popped up on my phone that Girafferig was in the spotlight. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but really, now that I caught a shiny Girafferig during orientation week, I'm like, do I need to do anything more? <laughs> <laughs> it's the ultimate orientation. Yep. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mario, what have you been playing? Yes, I actually played a lot this past week. Uh, I think I mentioned last week that a friend was doing a 
little game event. He was starting an event over the course of the next month. So the three games that I played for that uh, and beat are uh, GoldenEye, uh, Super Buster Bros, and Elephant Quest. Um, GoldenEye is GoldenEye for the N64. Um, How do you feel it holds up? Because I feel like I hear a lot of people nowadays saying, I went back and played GoldenEye, and this game is terrible now. (laughs) So I never played it as a kid. The first time I'd ever played it was like two years ago. Um, I think you talked about that before. So I think it's fine. Um, Spoiler alert, it will not be an answer for a question that comes up later in this show. (laughs) (laughs) But but, uh, uh, I think think it's it's a pretty fine game. I think that the second half of the game there is a pretty massive difficulty spike. Um, the, the levels in the second half of that game, and the same thing happens in Twine, um, the other James Bond game on the N64, The World Is Not Enough. Uh, the not, second, Not to be confused with Twine, the like uh, narrative crafting like software. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, or the string. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, not to be confused with a ball of string. Mario is not a cat. <laughs> um, the, the levels in the second half of that game are a bit rough, but mm-hmm. I think I think it it's fine. It, it's a game of its era, and if you've never played it, I would say it's it's worth experiencing. But I wouldn't um, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody was like, oh, I, I don't really love it, but you know it it has its spot in history for a reason i think that you know playing the online is a great nostalgia visit for you know revisit for a lot of people um and even having never played it it's still just a lot of fun if you're with a good group of people but um i can't really speak as to how well it holds up i'm also just like not a big first person shooter person to begin with so um I think the the biggest thing, the biggest complaint that I think most people would have going to it nowadays is that controlling a first-person shooter on the Nintendo 64 is kind of a nightmare. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just because, you know, the the two (laughs) sticks has become the way that Mm -hmm. uh, shooters control. And so having the C buttons and the control stick is just a very different thing. Being not a very big shooter fan, it works well for me, but I could understand why people would be really frustrated with it. It's hard to go back to games when like we've sort of uh, codified or, you know, like this is the way this mm-hmm. genre controls. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go back to a game in the early days of that genre and try to play it. You know, even Mario 64 has some of that problem of, yeah, the like gameplay still really good, but like the camera controls mm, sure. are Ugh. like a nightmare for mm-hmm. somebody who didn't play it originally. Mm-hmm. Right, because it, it's sort of completely against the way you think it should work, mm-hmm. and I think you know I can see a first-person shooter fan going back and trying to play GoldenEye today and being like, "Why in the world would they make it this way? Mm-hmm. Why am I having to hold the R button to like free look around?" And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that, and the other two were the first time I'd ever played them. Super Buster Bros is a Super Nintendo game. I don't even know how you would describe it. There are these falling, bouncing balls, and you have to shoot them. And you are a kid with, like, a sort of gun thing that shoots the balls, and they split in half into smaller balls. And you shoot them until they're all gone. And so uh, It was a simpler time. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. It's, 
it's so tough. I mean, mm-hmm. I played on the easiest difficulty and it was still tough. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fun. And then Elephant Quest is a, not one that I had played, but apparently a fairly well-known Flash game that mm-hmm. people played a lot. Yeah. I've never heard of okay, Elephant so, Quest. That's um, fantastic. It was fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's fun. It's quick. And so those were the three that I've played. Like I said, I'll, I'll probably play more uh, what, over the next. What is Elephant Quest? It's a 2D sort of ad- adventure game. You go and collect items and they're little the side missions. And the overarching goal is to get your hat back from the woolly mammoth that stole it from you. <laughs> I love that. Okay. I mean, is it a Zelda sort of adventure? No. It's not so much a Zelda, and I guess the reason I'm saying that is because you shoot, like, a laser um, as compared to, like, sort of close-up combat. The combat is more from a distance. As opposed to when your sword fires a laser blast. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, that only happens when you're at full health. (laughs) Okay, yes. Um, But but it is similar in the sense that there are uh, four different areas, and you navigate those areas, you collect keys... You get collect do quests that give you different items that help you along the way. So it is very Zelda esque. I, I just wonder when you say an adventure game. That's sure. why I was wondering. Like, are we talking that style of adventure game, a Monkey Island style adventure game? <laughs> no, like, I guess in that sense, it is much more Zelda style. Okay. Uh, and so those are the three that I played for that. And then the other one that I checked out is Lies of P, oh. which um, it's you know a Souls like Pinocchio game. Um, you, know, I think you say that so like, like that's obviously. not the most bizarre thing in the world it's a natural merger uh, if I had to put it into a combination it's like you know, Bloodborne is the game that it gets I feel like compared to the most in terms of like it's aesthetic uh, I have never really played much of the Souls games so I don't have like the gameplay experience with them friends who have played them say it plays more like Sekiro because there's a emphasis on like perfect guarding um but then there's also bloodborne similarity in that you need to be more aggressive if you're just sort of waiting around it's you will absolutely get owned um so it's it's blood bloodborne slash sekiro combined with pinocchio combined with irobot okay because the like premise of the game and this is stated really early on uh is that at least the iRobot movie. I don't know about like the original Asimov books. Very but, different, but yeah, in the sense of like the there are four laws of puppets, and the first three are basically Asimov's laws of robotics, and the fourth fourth one is a puppet can't tell a lie. But as Pinocchio, lying is like part of how you navigate through the game. Okay, so it's a game that encourages children to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it necessarily encourages it. It's an option. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you do. You, you, I will say it. I mean, I guess I don't know what it does if you don't lie for the first option that it gives you. You do definitely probably have to lie the, the very first time <laughs> you're given the chance to. All right. So I see this is a morally corrupting game. <laughs> <laughs> I will uh, have time to to break out the Supreme Court case. (laughs) Can't deal with any local courts here. We got to go straight to the top. (laughs) Um, But you did you like it? Like, yeah, I mean, like I said, the Souls games are are not something I have a ton of experience with. So I don't have like that. Yeah, this this is scratching an itch that I I have since 
but uh you know i will probably go back to it you know i played it for maybe about two hours a couple days ago mm -hmm. and it's one i would continue on i don't know if I'm the like hardcore level of gamer that will like continue to bash my head into something that I am failing <laughs> over and over and over again, which I anticipate I will do with mm -hmm. this game. But um, yeah, it's one that I'll, I'll keep going back to. All right. That game has a really cool look. It's one I've wanted to try out, even though sort of like you, I'm not the biggest fan of that genre, but um, just the look of it, like it has that great design. Yeah, it looks great. Uh, other, again, friends who have more experience with the games, one of the things they really like is there's somewhat of a customization to, like, the weapon system mm -hmm. where you have, like, both the blade and the handle, and those do different things. So Ooh. from what I understand, there's some amount of, like, mixing and matching uh, that ha gives more control over um, the way you stat up and play the game and engage in combat. So... The friends who I have, who I've seen in Discord who have played it are seemingly really enjoying it, and they are bigger Souls like fans than I am. So yeah, um, you know, with that being what seems like is the target audience, I mean, I say that that's a good sign. And I, as somebody who isn't the target audience, I'm having a good enough time with it to go back to it again. That's good. I mean, there hasn't been a whole lot of success of really copying that formula. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know people will jump in and all, you know, like the star Wars, uh, Jedi game mm -hmm. is sort of a copy of that. And this game's, but you know, it, it's sort of been formed softwares like, and there's a loan from software. Yeah. Sorry. Um, it's sort of been their thing alone. Right. And to see a sort of big budget, good looking clone of it, that's actually seems to be effective and doing something slightly different, that's pretty cool. Yeah, especially one that really tries to mirror the aesthetic of it as well. I feel like Souls-like gets placed onto, like, a lot of right. games. Like, I feel like people called even, like, Breath of the Wild when it came out, like, mm -hmm. there's a difficulty spike compared mm -hmm. to other Zelda games where they would call that, like, you're, you're going to die in this mm -hmm. game a lot, whereas you could go through Ocarina of Time and, like, potentially never die because... Mm -hmm of the ways that like health and enemies work and all that right. sort of stuff. Tunic was, I know another game that people called like somewhat souls like, and just mm -hmm. that, I mean, I don't know. I think it's a little, eh, if like mm -hmm. souls like just means that this game is hard, <laughs> but right. um, having played some of Tunic, like I, I can understand because that is a hard game. Yeah. I mean, it becomes a little reductive, right? Like if yeah. we're just saying it's a souls like, and that means it's a hard game. Yeah. Because there were hard games long before Dark Souls came mm -hmm. along. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. But yeah, Lies of P is definitely going for that similar aesthetic to mm -hmm. the Souls-like, particularly mm -hmm. Bloodborne. As I'm sure if you've seen it, you, it's pretty easy mm -hmm. to tell. Sure. All right. Uh, OJ, what have you been playing? <sighs> <Okay>. <laughs> so... Uh, for, for my birthday, I asked for Mortal Kombat. Uh, and so I had to pre-order. I asked for it on the Switch, knowing that the graphics wouldn't be as good as, say, if I got it on the PS5, right? I knew it wouldn't be, but then I would be able to, like, take it with me and play while we were watching TV or something, rather than having to wait until everyone was asleep to play. So, first, before I even get into the Switch stuff, I was a little disappointed in the game. <laughs> and so... 
the the story uh, the the story is yeah you okay yeah okay just ma- making sure Justin is not not dying, suffering but. a fatality here <laughs> um, so get over here <laughs> <laughs> um, so you can potentially finish the story of Mortal Kombat one in one sitting it's not wow yeah there's not a lot there. Um, and After also all that they hyped were like new twists on the story. Yeah. And the, what's there is good. I don't get me wrong. I like it. Um, and I like some of the changes. I like how they addressed it. I, and it, as far as the timeline type story, um, I think it, it's pretty good, but it's very short. It's about four hours. I think yeah. that if you just plow through it, you yeah. can get through. Yeah. Um, uh, well, Okay, so hold on. I have more to the story, but so, so I I asked for it on Switch for my birthday. It came as a the the pre order. I got it a, a little ahead of time, and uh, as I mentioned before, I have a first generation Switch, and so there was a thirty gigabyte download to just start the game, um, to just start it, and my old Switch, my original first gen one, didn't even have that on it, and I. I avoided getting a micro SD card until now just because I would just erase whatever. I would only keep what I was actually actively playing on it, right? Because, like, the Switch will save all of your save states in the cloud. Mm. Uh, but so, uh, and it, but it was my anniversary, and so my husband bought me uh, another Switch, a, a current Gen 1. So I, uh, to answer the question of who's still buying Switches, <laughs> apparently it's, it's me. Uh <laughs> So I got an OLED one. Is a Tears of the Kingdom one. So it's 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 the most recent one, I think. Top of the line switch, right? Put put the game in. Did this thirty gigabyte download, and uh, it took like two minutes, I think, to just start up, <laughs> just just to get to a menu, um, and it. It's slow, like loading times. Like it'll load for like 30, 45 seconds. Um, and that's a, that's a good time, right? Uh, it's longer actually, if it's attached to the dock and going on the TV, um, I, I'm not entirely sure what, I, maybe it's a different, like what's the word, like a resolution or something that has um, to do. Well, I know we've talked about like, right. There's no processing power in mm-hmm. the dock. So it's, if anything, it's still just doing it on mm-hmm. the, the system and yeah. then, yeah, so I guess that, I mean, it does make sense in some ways. Um, so, but again, I was just playing it on, on the Switch, and a brand new Switch, top of the line Switch, and it's still like sometimes there'll be two or three minute load, load times. So uh, as I jump into the story, it crashed a few times, first of all, but the graphics in the story are good until it starts to actually render them, right? So it's the most it's one of the most beautiful games on the Switch during the 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 video <laughs> parts, right? And then it switches to, oh hey, we're gonna render, which it does for maybe like 20, 30 seconds before a fight starts, right? So you have all these fantastic graphics and then there's a loading screen for like 10, 15 seconds in the middle of a sentence as it's getting ready to go into a fight. And then Everything changes to these horrible graphics that, like, the PS1 
beats. This is sounding right? more and more like Sonic 06, and I'm loving oh, it. I was <laughs> just yeah. about to say the okay. same exact <laughs> yeah. thing. I was like, long loading times, bad yeah. graphics. We've talked about yeah. it. OJ, you're ready. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, and you play through, there's not a lot of characters that are, I mean, there's a lot of characters. There's not a lot of like, main characters that we that you get right at the beginning that you are like that you like so sindel has always been my favorite uh and so she's she's there right but um there's no you can't play sonia yet you can't play jacks yet um and it's okay <laughs> it, it it's it's rough but so i do have sindel but as you're going through the story and you're playing something they made a choice to not have fatalities in the story what? Yeah, so you can't do a fatality in the story. There's no finish him that, or anything in the story. And what even is Mortal Kombat without fatalities? Exactly, exactly. So you go through the the, the storyline. You don't do any fatalities, which I guess kind of makes sense because the characters are staying there, but, like, it's never been realistic, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Look, I've never even played any Mortal mm-hmm. Kombat, and I still am like, what... <laughs> How do you do this without fatalities? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, there are like, you start off in like the, the characters. Um, so this isn't really a spoiler because it's right at the beginning, but like, uh, and, and you already know it from like the trailers, but like Raiden doesn't have any powers when he starts. Raiden and Kung Lao are both just regular people that have been like training to fight a little bit, right? They have no powers. Kung Lao doesn't have his hat. Nothing like that. Um, you find an origin story for his hat in in the story right at the beginning, but um, and so, but you're you're playing. You don't have all of your moves, and you're fighting against people who do have all of their moves, and it's it's not difficult. But the switch controls kind of made it difficult. It's not really super responsive. I think because it's just using every single resource that the switch has, and. Uh, and, and then, so, like, it's like, oh, because uh, right when it started, I was like, oh, these people are, what are people saying with these graphics being bad? And then it switched to rendering them, and I was like, oh. And there's, <laughs> there, there's a filter that I've seen a lot of, and it makes somebody's face look like they're surprised and their eyes are open and bugged out. Um, and their mouth is just, like, open, uh, and they look, like, Surprise traumatized. Pikachu. Yeah, yeah, kind of. And, uh, and so that's what it looks like then when it, when it starts to actually render them on your system, then it goes into the fighting and like, I'm not looking for the best graphics in the world when you start fighting, but Oh, it's, but it's rough. Maybe like right. any, any graphic. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I was thinking I was more impressed with the graphics of mortal Kombat two when I originally played it than I was at the <laughs> graphics in this game. Well, this is mortal Kombat one. Yeah. So that's, okay. That's true. fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but even, uh, was it ultimate motor combat? I can't remember the, it was, I think it was on a GameCube maybe, or N64. One of those. Yeah. Systems. There, there was ultimate Mortal Kombat yeah. three. Okay. Yeah. Ultimate Mortal Kombat three looked better than it does when it's rendering on the switch. <laughs> the thing that's weird is mm-hmm. like the last Mortal Kombat, uh, 11 mm-hmm. came out on the switch and generally yeah. people praised it as looking mm-hmm. pretty good. For the Switch. Right. Like, I mean, it didn't look as good as yeah. on PC, but, like, uh-huh. it looked pretty good. Yeah, and it, they did not do that for this one. Uh, and and then, you know, like, I'm playing, and, and the, the controls are not responsive. Like, I will do down to back 
and my character will just jump up. Like, and <laughs> I, I, I know because I'm using the D pad to actually do it. Not, <laughs> not the, uh, the stick, right? I'm using the D pad down to back. Jump. And it's like, I, how do you, what is wrong with this? Like, so it, it's not hard, but it's hard because of the controls because it's not responsive. Um, and like, Okay, it, if the the graphics aren't super good in in when you're fighting, when it's actually rendering them, I was expecting that for the Switch. But like, so like playing through and doing all of this, there is uh, test your mites, which luckily you can turn off, or I would still be in the middle of the story because you have to tap, and it, it's the you could do X, Y, A, and B um, on the right side, and you have to tap them, and it has to go up through this thing, and then you hit, like, the ZR button, like, the, the right trigger. Um, and, like, I'm prof- I'm very proficient at this and anything else, but I just couldn't get it done. And, like I said, luckily you can turn it off because, like, the first one was, like, halfway up the meter you had to get, and I barely got that. The second one, I couldn't. I, like, 30 or 40 tries, and I couldn't do it. Is it mashing or is it pressing the right button? It's mashing. Like rhythmically, okay. It's mashing. Um, I, and I, I tried tried to do it rhythm, rhythmically, but it shows it on the screen and they're all just blinking on and off too. Mashing on a Joy-Con also just seems yeah. rough as well. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> and that's an accessibility issue that uh-huh. a yeah. lot of games have kind of gotten away from because mm-hmm. people with any sort of like, you mm-hmm. know, physical disability like have a mm-hmm. lot of difficulty doing those right. sort of mashing things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i know the god of war games have switched over to where it's mm-hmm. just yeah. hold a button mm-hmm. instead of mash it yeah and um so i think that's why you can turn it off because uh, to give them praise the accessibility features on this game are fantastic that's um it, it has a built-in screen reader if you need it um, it will, you have the option to change the music so it gets faster as someone gets closer to you and gets slower as they get farther away. Um, and so that people who are blind can play the yeah, game. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> if it weren't on the switch, I, I feel like someone who is blind could, could get something out of this game. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it, but on the switch, again, the controls are just not reactive yeah. <laughs> enough for it. Um, I like the idea. Haven't blind people suffered enough without yeah. making them play the Switch version? <laughs> yeah. Um, and and then that's not counting the glitches. Even that. So, like, at one point, I had Sub-Zero in Mortal Kombat, or Sub-Zero in Mortal Kombat, Sub-Zero and Scorpion um, fighting, and then there was a, a visual glitch where right at the top of their legs, a big thing poked out and was pointed towards each other's faces. And so it was the Schwartz. Yeah. Um, OJ, I don't know how to explain this to you, (laughs) but when a scorpion and sub zero really love each other, (laughs) that's not a glitch. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I wasn't complaining, but um, it was, and then, so I'm just like, what, what is going on here? Um, some of the more well-known ones are if you do uh, decapitation brutality, which everyone could do right off the, the beginning, the head just floats there. Some people have said they've seen it where it doesn't. I didn't. I did quite a few, and it, the head just floats there and is just sitting there. Um, some people have claimed they've seen where it doesn't float. <laughs> some people have claimed that they've seen the head actually disappear. Yeah. <laughs> yes. and um, On today's get, episode of Ghost Hunters. Yeah, we're getting to spooky season early. <laughs> 
Um, and so, like I said, Sindel is my favorite character. And so I went through there. There's an invasion part, which so after you beat the story, which is only like four hours, um, which you do in one sitting, then you can do an invasion, which is kind of a little bit of a story, which you go to Johnny Cage's house and you're walking through his house for doing different fights. Um, and so, you know, I'm playing Sindel. I can do fatalities there. And uh, so the, the fatality that she starts out with is she walks up and grabs your grabs your someone's head and says, like, who's your queen? And then rips their skull out with their um, spinal cord. Okay. So on the switch, because it's rendering her, she walks up and she looks like her like face, her eyes are bugging out. Um, and her lips look like she's traumatized. And then, so she grabs it and her hair, honestly, her hair looked better on, on, uh, the GameCube, uh, or N64, whichever one Ultimate Mortal Kombat was on. Um, every time I've seen her in a game, her hair has looked better than this. Like, honestly, <laughs> like I, if I made a game on PlayStation one and the hair looked that bad, I would be embarrassed. Like it's bad. <laughs> OJ, stop hair shaming. <laughs> she's, she's having a bad hair day. Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 she is. And also, because I think all of the hair is rendering, or all of the sheets of hair, I should say, are rendering, uh, because it looks like some long pieces of paper popped out of her head, <laughs> really. Because those are rendering, it doesn't render the... You can customize the characters, um, and they each have, like, one piece of... Um, Something you can custom. I mean, you can customize their full outfit, but everyone has like one special thing you can customize. And hers is like a little like tiara type thing that goes on her face. And so she walks up. It's it's close up to her face. She grabs the the head and says, "Who's your?" And then the thing shows up on her head. It's missing up until this point, <laughs> and then it renders. And then she says, "Queen." And as she starts to pull, it disappears again because I guess her face changed and so it had to render it from a different angle. Um, and then she, it, the, I've seen some videos from the other ones and the fatalities look really gory and gruesome. I mean, they're not like super realistic, but they're, they're gory and gruesome. They are not when it's rendering them on the Switch. It looks very much like Mortal Kombat 2 type, like weird random pieces of stuff that are sitting there. Um, and I haven't, like, because I finished with the story and the invasion, and I, I tried to do the uh, the towers a couple of times, but it's just so bad I couldn't finish. Um, I don't think and, that a game has sparked this much frustration uh-huh. for you since Strangers of Paradise. So, okay, here, if I had to, if I were stuck in an island, or if I were being tortured, okay, but I had a choice between playing Mortal Kombat 1 on the Switch or Stranger of Paradise with every sound in Stranger of Paradise being Titus's laugh, I would take that. I I would I would happily take that because I I haven't been this frustrated with just a, a horrible game like just guys. Just this bad. is a really weird Saw movie, <laughs> and. Oh, it's it's bad and like like I said, the, it, it, I wish they would have made the story longer because the story was fantastic. But like they could have added like I mean, granted, there's already a huge game with a thirty gigabyte download, but they could have taken off the few seconds 
of the actual stuff being rendered and just kept it FMV and fixed most of the problems, right? I'm sure they could have made the the fatalities some type of like video rather than being rendered each time. And I think it would have fixed it, but they didn't. They just plopped it down with really, really, really bad things. And the switch can't load stuff fast enough either. I think the problem is that on PlayStation, Xbox, mm-hmm. and PC, all of that is fairly like seamless. So mm-hmm. when you're talking about um, the you know, the, the cinematics and everything Mm -hmm. that just transitions Mm -hmm. into the fights in a really seamless fashion. And so I think they were going for that on the switch is what Uh it sounds like. But as you're saying, both the switch doesn't have the power to do Mm -hmm. that. And it sounds like, it sounds like also this port was maybe either rushed or not Uh given the resources that it needed. Mm Mm-hmm. Because certainly we've seen very good ports, like the Mortal Kombat 11 port is yeah. reportedly very good uh-huh. on the Switch. So yeah, um, and I know that they've said, "Hey, we're definitely going to have an update on this," which they have to because, like, by the time the next Invasion comes out, because um, Invasion Switch every month, I think by the time the next one comes out, like I I don't want to play it. And Mortal Kombat is one of my favorite series. Um, like I remember in middle school at lunch, somebody had a a guide with all the moves and I had a little notebook that I was writing all the moves and fatalities and stuff on like hurriedly because it was just so great. Um, and I've, I've just been a huge fan. I was skeptical about the, the timeline restart from 11, but I think they did it really, really well. I think uh, the story is fantastic, but like the game wasn't ready at least on switch. Um, but I think a lot of people are having, I know people on PC are having a lot of crashes and stuff too. Um, so I think it, it was rushed and I, I wish they would have just taken a little more time. Um, yeah, it sounds like that switch version is particularly like a, mm-hmm. a real sort of train wreck. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's another big fighting game coming out soon. Isn't there like a new Tekken or something like that? Maybe? I don't think that's until spring. Oh, okay. Cause I, I remember, I don't remember where I was listening to. It might've been this podcast talking about sort of the, release schedule of Street Fighter right. and Mortal Kombat mm-hmm. and Tekken and like how they're gonna sort of have to compete with one another and those release schedules. And mm-hmm. so I wonder if mm-hmm. you know if if you know there was an awareness yeah. of release schedules if it's we mm-hmm. don't want to like fall too b- far behind type mm-hmm. of thing. But you know and that's pure yeah. speculation. Mm-hmm. But yeah and I think there's also for those games, I mean, I, I don't think those games, given the market for fighting games, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to release a Mortal Kombat game directly against a Street Fighter mm-hmm. game for either company, mm-hmm. right. right? Like, you're just cannibalizing yourselves mm-hmm. in what is a very small market mm-hmm. yeah. compared to what it once mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. during the arcade days. Um, <clears throat> but I think there's also a lot of pressure to get those games out in time for the like sort of fighting game leagues and everything. Mm-hmm. So to make sure that your game is out in enough time in, in advance so that it can be an Evo game mm-hmm. um, and, you know, qualify for these different like tournaments and stuff. So I, I think that becomes the issue when they're trying to schedule these games out and everything. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, if you're putting out what are probably the three biggest fighting game franchises in the same year, mm-hmm. You really have to space those out, yeah. like because otherwise you're somebody's going to get killed mm-hmm. in the process, right? Whereas 
the distance between Street Fire, which came out back in June, and then now this, there's at least a little break there. Sure. Right? Um, mm-hmm. Somebody could have bought Street Fighter and saved up the next $60, $70 to buy this now. Mm-hmm. When exactly did it come out? Do you know? remember like what the re- release date was? Tuesday. Oh, so, okay. okay. I knew it was recent, but I didn't yeah. know when it, exactly it yeah. was. And... Yeah, so I got it early because of a pre-order. Oh, they okay. released it, like, the Thursday before. Mm. Um, but, yeah, Tuesday. There hasn't been any patches since then yet. But, yeah. So, <laughs> um, a utter disaster there. Um, and I, <clears throat> I've i seen some people say, hey, maybe, uh, maybe it's optimized for Switch 2. Mm. <laughs> 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 Which... I mean, if <laughs> if, like if they're backwards compatible, dream. yeah. I just I just think about if with patches, it mm-hmm. sounds like you got to patch the whole game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and it's I I can almost understand why it's uh-huh. maybe taken so long because like mm-hmm. it, we can't like incrementally <laughs> roll yeah. this out. Like, yeah, we'll take a little bit of extra time and like do a, a attempt to do a full yeah. thing. I don't I don't even know what that uh-huh. would entail though. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's gonna be rough. Uh, but so since I got a new switch. And I needed something to, like, get the taste of Mortal Kombat 1 out of my mouth. <laughs> uh, I started playing some... I played a little bit of Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, which I'd never played. Nice. Um, and it's pretty good. I am enjoying that so far. I played a little bit of... What was it? Something else, which I didn't like. Is a Game Boy Advance. Or, what was it? Um, Dragon... Something. Uh, I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Uh, something... That I'd never played the original games of. I'll was figure it, it out uh, later. It was a Game Boy Advance game? Yeah. Was it on the... Switch Online. Switch yeah. Online? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I've, I played a more recent one. Is that but, like a Dragon Quest? No. Um, it was... There's a, the, the, It has Switch Fighters on it. Um, it's where they came from. And it's like a tactical... Game. Fire Emblem? That's it, yeah, Fire oh, Emblem. Okay. Sorry, I don't know where Dragon came from. <laughs> <laughs> I played a little bit of that because I never played the original because I never really played Game Boy Advance games. Right. Um, uh, and then I went to Earthbound, which is a game that I play regularly. Um, and just I can just start playing it. It's a feel-good game. It's like uh, it's really a comfort game. I play it it's probably for like the at least 20th time I'm playing through if it hasn't been like 30th. Um, Alicia now understands. Yeah, I I, I uh, now do. Yeah, is uh, how far did you get into Superstar Saga? Is that one that you think um, you'll go back to? Yeah, I, I will. I will. Um, I so I crossed the. I, it wasn't very far. Um, I crossed the bridge into the Bean area, mm-hmm. and there was a jumping game that I yep. played that I was stuck on for a while trying to get the last one, and then uh, went in and learned how to do the jumps. Yeah, uh, and then that's as far as I got in okay. it. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. definitely still early on. I asked mm-hmm. because that might be like my most played Game Boy Advance okay. game growing up. Yeah, I love yeah. that game. I think mm-hmm. it still holds up pretty well. It does. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Some friends and I played through it last year, and mm-hmm. so cool, mm-hmm. fun. I really liked it. It's um, a very good game. Yeah. Yeah. Those Mario and Luigi games, for the most part, at least mm-hmm. the early ones, are pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um. Yeah, and so uh, I'm going to go back to it after Earthbound, but I once I get my 
brain on earthbound i can't mm-hmm. i can't do anything else until i stop um which is where my i'm the third most powerful person in the podcast came from because there's a there's an area sorry spoilers for a game that's over 25 years old but uh yes. there's an area where there's five moles um and they're all bosses and each one of them says i'm the third most powerful uh Master in this dungeon. There are two more powerful than me and two weaker than yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so that's that's actually where I ended up. So that's why it was in my it, it was in my brain. But then I just I love Earthbound so much. It's it's as close to a perfect game as anything else that or, like if I had to if there was a perfect game I had to give it would be at least in my top three. Unfortunately, that's not our big question this week. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it no, would it definitely work. Uh-huh. It yeah. could have been, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm cleansing my palate, and then I'll, I'll if there's a Mortal Kombat patch, one patch, I'll I'll give it another go just because I really love the game. But ugh, it's it's so bad. I don't know if it's on Switch Online for mm-hmm. GBA, uh, but if you haven't played it, I think it's coming to it at some mm-hmm. point. If it's not already, uh, you should check out the Golden Sun series i know how much of, a, yeah. of an rpg fan you are yeah so. and um i played one of them on an emulator ah, i okay. think um but it kept screwing up oh. um and that's the one thing this is the first time i played earthbound not on an emulator in a very very long time and i will say that i'm missing the speed up feature <laughs> 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 um just get a bunch of skip sandwiches <laughs> but still like at one point in earthbound you have to sit there for three minutes um, it's the password is sitting there in silence for three minutes and it's like, um, okay, I, no, I, let me just go get, I'll use the bathroom, get a drink, come back. Uh, and I haven't had to do that since like maybe my third or fourth playthrough since I've been playing it on emulators. So, <laughs> but I, I am happy to know that I can get through it and probably not hit one of the weird, um, piracy things that they yeah. they have the piracy checks. yeah because multiple times i got somewhere through somewhere in the game on a an emulator and then oh wait no you can't leave this area now or something um and at last i know i've been complaining a lot but so <laughs> um the first time i played the game and i got it and it came with a, a manual that talked about how to do all the stuff um and like it was at Blockbuster and I was the first person to rent it when it came in. So I did actually get the manual to see it and it had that on the manual. Um, but when you're fighting one of the bosses, Master Belch, you have an item that he really loves and it's fly honey or it's fly honey. And uh, if you use it, then he goes crazy for it and it's fine. And I didn't think to use it in battle. And so you can't beat him if you don't use it or if you can beat him, it's you have to be really super mega leveled up, right? I, and it's I just don't horrible. think it's possible. I think yeah. you need to have the jar of fly honey. Yeah. Um, and I remember the very first time I was playing it, I didn't read that. Uh, and I sat there and I was frustrated and I was like, well, this is so difficult. Why can't I do it? And then finally figured out what I could do. Well, even after playing it 20 something times, I totally forgot about that. And last night as I was sitting there and playing it and fighting Master Belch, I was like, um, this is really hard. I, don't, I remember not liking this place, but I don't remember why. And then like five or six times into it, I was like, you know what? I swear. I don't know how I forgot that. There's just a block in my brain somewhere when it has to deal with fly, fly honey. Uh, okay, that's that. So that's what I've been playing. Okay, <laughs> just a little story. <laughs> um, yeah, that's disappointing about Mortal Kombat. I mean, like, it's sort of one of those games where you go, oh, "Wow, you're actually going to try to put this on Switch?" Yeah, and 
you know, they've had success in the past. Mm-hmm. The same thing with Doom, right? Yeah. Doom 20, was it 2016? Mm-hmm. Um, they ported that to Switch, and it's supposedly really good mm-hmm. on Switch. You know, not as good as it is on a right. PC. Yeah. But completely playable. Right. And I, like, I wasn't expecting good graphics, but I wasn't expecting bad, <laughs> like, bad, right. bad, bad, bad mm-hmm. ones either. You weren't expecting broken. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the difference, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't, you can expect mm-hmm. the graphics to be yeah. toned down quite a bit, but you don't expect it to be completely broken. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, like, like I said, I got it on the Switch purposefully so that I could play it, at, like, and not just have to be, like, stuck to the PS5, and I knew that it was, it was not going to be good, but... I didn't know it was going to be that bad. Um, although I did play, uh, so I played a zero ninety nine for a little bit too, mm. um, which is pretty. It's pretty fun. Um, I never got. I think I got forty eighth place one time, and that was it. So, uh, um, but it, but it's it's kind of fun. I'll play it again. Yeah, um, I, I think this. You know, this is just kind of going back to what we talked about last week with the Switch really starting to show its age, mm-hmm. and mm. these third party ports are getting to the point where mm-hmm. they just don't work yeah anymore mm-hmm. and you know like you start to you start to look at it and go well is it even worth a, you know the time and the energy for a company like warner brothers to put this out on the switch because mm-hmm. of the you know just the public relations hit they're going to take off of this mm-hmm. like lots of people mad about the poor quality of this game and you don't want that when mortal Kombat has for so long been this jewel um, you know, mm-hmm. particularly these last three games, you know, mm-hmm. and nothing but universally praised. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's disappointing. Um, all right. Um, let's see. So I didn't play a whole lot. I played two things. Uh, I did not go back to Starfield this week. <laughs> uh, I might at some point, but as I worried, I just really lost interest in that game. I did go back to Pikmin 4, which... I just love that game. That game is fantastic. That's one of the most fun experiences I've had with any game this year. It's um, it's just it's just fun. Did you get the doggo? Yes, yes. I've got I've got the dog a long time ago. Um, yeah, he's he's fantastic. Um, he doesn't have a nose, which is a little off putting at first, <laughs> but you get used to it. A little Voldemort ass, but okay. <laughs> and can you pet it? Um. Yes, so you can out of a sort pet it. Yeah, um, that's all that matters. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so that's all that matters when we make games. It, it just needs an opening. It just make every game Nintendo dogs. That's all that we really need. There we go. <laughs> the the dog's utility, how useful it is. Don't care. Can I pet it? Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's just really a fantastic game. And again, I think it's like the one thing that the Switch continues to do well is Nintendo's games continue to look fantastic. That game looks so much better than like when you look at third party switch games mm-hmm. like Mortal Kombat <laughs> one and you go, why does Nintendo game, why do their Nintendo games look so much better? Mm-hmm. Like why are they so much better at getting the look out of, mm-hmm. you know, the system, even when it's at its age now and really showing that age. Um, but it lo- it has that great look to it. It's just a lot of fun. It's easy to pick up and play. I mean, there is a, a bit of a lengthy tutorial at the beginning, but once you get into the game, it's it's just it's the easiest that series has ever been. And I keep going back to that because I just think 
if you played Pikmin 1 on the GameCube and you were like, oh, this isn't for me, I think it's time to go back and give that series another chance. Um, and it's apparently been selling extremely well in Japan, which is nothing but you know great news to hear. Um, the other thing I played this week is I did play some F-099. Um, so F-0 was one of two games I got when I got my Super Nintendo. It came with Mario World, and the other game that um, Santa brought me was F-Zero um, on it, and I loved it for that reason, and my brother and I used to, like, trade who could get the fastest time on each level back and forth. Um, And so this is just that. It's the original F-Zero, but they've, you know, widened the tracks and stuff to make it playable with 99 cars and stuff. It's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, you know, I think most of the 99 franchise, if, I guess if you can call it that, uh, have been fun games. I think, you know, Pac-Man 99 worked really well. I think Tetris 99 is the best of that series. Mm-hmm. It's just, you like play that and you go, oh, this is how Tetris should always be. This should be the multiplayer game for Tetris always mm-hmm. going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and then playing this is just like, oh, okay, well, this just fits like a lot more naturally than I would have thought. Um, and it works really well and it's fun and you don't even care if you win. Like, you know, you said you got 48. Mm -hmm. I I haven't gotten a first place, but I did get like, uh, a top, a top, what I think it was 12th. Mm -hmm. Uh, so top 12 finish and. Mm -hmm. It's just a lot of fun. I mean, it's a really cool thing. And when you think about it, it's sort of free. You have to pay for the online service, mm-hmm. but it comes with that then free. Mm-hmm. Like Nintendo, I think, has been really clever in the way they've approached the online service with mm-hmm. the you know, catalog of old games on there. And then like, okay, occasionally we're going to put out one of these online focused mm-hmm. new games, but it's based on an old property. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish they wouldn't take them away. Mm-hmm. Like I, I kind of understand with Pac-Man because of the licensing, you mm-hmm. know, it's not a Nintendo game, but like they took away Mario 35, mm-hmm. which I just, you know, I understand there's probably some resources with running a server for that, but um, it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like keep these going. Like yeah. they can't be that, you know, costly mm-hmm. for them to keep these up and keep them running. And they're just a lot of fun and they like add a lot of value to that online service. Um, and I think they should absolutely make a new F zero, mm-hmm. like do it, do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Nintendo, like yeah. that should be, a, you know, a switch Two mm-hmm. game doesn't have to be launch, mm-hmm. but very soon after mm-hmm. like, agreed, go over the top, make a, you know, even if I would take even a remake of F zero GX on the GameCube, mm-hmm. redo that game with high definition graphics, 60 frames a second. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Like, just do something with it. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of your best franchises. Um, all right. That does it for what we've been playing. Let's move on to the news. And it was a big week in news. So uh, we're going to try to rush through some of this because we got a whole lot to talk about. The biggest news was this Xbox leak. So um, I think this was, was this Monday that this all came mm-hmm. out? Um so there is this leak. So court documents in the Microsoft Activision acquisition case against the FTC 
Um, apparently, some documents have been uploaded to a server, but they had not been um, they had not been redacted, and they had not been information blacked out of them like they should have been. And so, these documents ended up leaking. These were pertinent to the trial, but not. They were internal Xbox documents, but not something they wanted to get out to the public <laughs> because this basically is their plan over the next few years. Uh, they're a little old, so these are, a, a, I believe, a couple years old, but they do kind of spell out like what they plan to do over the next couple of years, both with hardware and software. So I think the biggest news to most people was they were planning two new Xbox uh, versions of the current system. So a new Xbox S, uh, codename L Wood. I object. <laughs> so L Wood spelled like L Woods from Legally Blonde, not L Wood as in Blues Brothers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if, if it's if it's if it's going to be named that, it better be pink. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, lean into that. Barbie's <laughs> super popular. Mm-hmm. Lean into yeah. have a legally blonde Xbox. Look, if you gave me a legally blonde Xbox, if if they made a legally blonde Xbox, I would buy an Xbox. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have always been a PlayStation person, but mm-hmm. I would buy an Xbox if it was legally mm-hmm. blonde. <laughs> I, I'm just imagining like long blonde locks coming off. <laughs> <of that box. laughs> we need Bruiser, and we need to be able to pet him. <laughs> He's just there on the menu, running around, <laughs> pulling icons off the side of the screen. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, and then the bigger news was a new uh, a new version of the Series X, uh, which is codenamed Brooklyn. Uh, there actually are some details on it. It's going to have two terabytes of storage, um, no disk drive, USB-C port on the front, and some additional upgrades like a smaller uh, processor die and some other things that should make it more energy efficient. Um, this is not a mid-level uh, refresh, so this is not a, a uh, like a PlayStation Pro or mm-hmm. the Xbox... Oh, God, what was that called? The Xbox One X, mm-hmm. I think. Oh, gosh. Something like that. It's so hard to keep the mm-hmm. Xbox naming <laughs> convention straight. But anyways. The Xbox naming conventions are really just the same as the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very much. <laughs> two X, two box. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, like, this is not that. This is just a new version of the current hardware that's out there. There are some internal upgrades, but they're not internal upgrades that are going to actually theoretically make the games any different. Uh, I think Wi-Fi 6 was one of the things that this was going to feature, so faster Wi-Fi on it. And the shape of it, instead of the current sort of obelisk that we have, is going to be a, um, a more of a cylinder. So it looks like the... Uh, Mac Pro. Remember, from- it's it's the adorable. Yes, <laughs> yes uh, one of the slides did refer to it as adorable, uh, which is weird. <laughs> um, like that's the word that comes to mind when you're thinking of a game console. Is it adorable enough? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there was a time like the GameCube, right? The GameCube could be described as adorable. <laughs> with- could it? <laughs> Oh, with the purple and the little handle. handle. Yeah. Like it, it very Cute, much, maybe. Adorable. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You put a little, a little smiley face on there. And then mm-hmm. when you booted it up, it did the do-do-do-do-do. Yeah. yeah. So, they had like a, an orange one. <laughs> yeah, spice orange. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so like I think this was probably the biggest news that came out of this, um, you know, leaking new hardware. Supposedly this would be released next fall, um, and the uh, the Elwood Series S system would be released sometime before then. So people were speculating maybe spring for it and then this for the fall. Um, but like both of these are supposed to just be revisions to the hardware, um, nothing, you know, super dramatic. I, I don't know, does this move the... Does this move the pin any for you? Do you have any greater interest in upgrading to an Xbox uh, given this new hardware revisions? Not if it's not pink. <laughs> I have the Series S and I'm fairly happy with it. Uh, I do think the no disk drive on the updated X is an interesting decision. I mean, I, I know that there's just a lot of conversations that happen about sort of the digital versus physical media and what, what it means when there is no sort of physical option and the ways that a lot of media just sort of disappears and is mm-hmm. not able to be recovered. Mm-hmm. Um, or there's just like no access to it otherwise. So I, I think that that's, I understand why, but at the same time, I think it's a, it's a, it's a decision. Yeah. So you know, obviously the S has no disk drive currently, so the L Wood version theoretically would also yeah. have mm-hmm. no disk drive. Uh, the X currently does, so apparently that model would stay on the market, and this new version of the X would also be on the market alongside it. So you, mm. there still would be a model with a disk drive, but clearly Microsoft is trying to move customers away mm-hmm. from physical media. Yeah. yeah, They're trying to move customers to buying things and even more so with Xbox subscribing to Game Pass. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, like, I, I know I say it's interesting and I just said, oh, well, I've got the S and so I don't have the <laughs> physical anyways. And, you know, Lies of P, I'm playing on Game Pass. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, it's not that I don't appreciate, you know, mm-hmm. the, the digital media, but I do think that, having some sort of archivable physical media is an important thing to to have. And so it'll be interesting if after a certain amount of time, if this new one becomes more of like the dominant model, right? Mm-hmm. If you stop seeing, you know, certain companies like, well, we're not going to release a physical mm-hmm. disc or that we're not going to put the resources into the physical disc because it's just going to be available on the Xbox store. I mean, I, I guess I don't know how different it would be producing like a physical disc of a PlayStation 5 game as compared as compared to a, an Xbox game. I imagine they use probably the same style of disc. It's a yeah, they're both Blu-ray. Blu-ray. Blu-rays okay. now. Um, so maybe it wouldn't be much 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 of a difference. But yeah, I, I yeah, I think it'd be, it's interesting. It's still just like like you said, even even if. You have moved to more of like digital typically. It, it's the fact that the option's gone and mm-hmm. that it takes away that archive that exists when you have mm-hmm. a physical disc versus when it's just on the cloud. Like we've talked before on the podcast about games just vanishing mm-hmm. and like, okay, we, nobody can ever play that again unless somebody got it figured out to get it on an emulator and all that. And yeah, this is what I've seen the most comments angry about mm-hmm. is like, People who are like, you know, it's fine to have a version without disk drive, but please still have a version with it. So mm-hmm. that way 
I, as the customer, can make a choice on what I want. Right. Yeah, I think we're facing two things. So one is, uh, Mario, you mentioned about, you know, not even putting out a physical version. That's exactly what Alan Wake 2 is doing. Mm. That game is going to be digital only, which is kind of weird for what is a big it's release, big game, yeah. right? Like, we see that with indie games all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the second thing is, um, yeah, I mean, this is where the industry is headed. Like, I mean, it, this where PCs already are. Like, and it's it's a profit thing, isn't it? Because now they, if you have to buy it through the the Microsoft Store, everything goes to Microsoft as compared to splitting with whatever third party retailer would be. So it would be a GameStop or a Walmart or yeah, whatever. right. And then they don't have to spend the money on getting cases and shipping them out. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of money lost on physical media in that way. The flip side of that is right that lose that marketing chance like uh, you know come christmas there are going to be a lot of parents who walk into walmart and target and best buy going oh billy has an xbox what will billy like oh here's you know here's bluey the game billy likes bluey and billy's like i want mortal Kombat. i want to rip somebody's head off i don't want to play with those damn australian dogs <laughs> well because you can't pet them <laughs> no i i can almost guarantee you, you can pet the dogs in bluey in the game. Um, but you know like there's going that has always been very important for uh, for video game manufacturers as a way to market their games, mm. like I, I think we often overlook that because we are very engrossed into this. We do a weekly podcast talking about video games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know what the cool new games coming out are mm-hmm. for the most part, and there's a lot of families and stuff that are buying games, and not mm-hmm. even just families buying a game for a, a kid or something. There's a lot of people, you know, like I'm always. Like, I think people who are really into movies often overlook the fact that there's a whole lot of people who just show up at a movie theater on Friday night and they go, what looks good? Mm-hmm. You know, they don't know what they're going to see. They haven't watched any trailers. They know nothing going in. And they look at the poster and say, oh, look, um, you know, Tom Cruise is in that. Let's go see that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a whole lot of people who buy like Madden and Call of Duty and they walk into the store and they've got $60 in their pocket and they say, that game looks cool. Look at that weird puppet guy. He's like cutting people's heads off. <laughs> like Liza P. I don't know what that is. <laughs> that looks cool. And that's how they make their decision what mm-hmm. games to mm-hmm. buy. I mean, Shoot, th- even being into video games, there's a lot of times that I'm like, oh, yeah, that looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's not mm-hmm. strange at all mm-hmm. for that to be the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I think the strange part is what happens when that goes away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you are only buying games digitally and mm-hmm. what happens to that segment of the market. And I think that segment of the market is is still a significant part. Mm-hmm. But Microsoft probably knows a lot better than us. Like, you know, they mm-hmm. have all that tracking. Where are we selling mm-hmm. copies mm-hmm. of our yeah. games? Yeah. Well, I think... Uh, because they, they have areas now, too, with digital codes where you can buy right. a fake game. Sure. Um, but I, there's also a third level, too, and that is people who don't really have access to good internet. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like, as we learned during the pandemic, large areas of southern Illinois here where we are don't have the internet where they would be able to download these games. I mean, heck, with a 30-gigabyte download with Mortal Kombat, when I already got the, the cartridge, 
or the whatever you want to call it when the card yeah the card um and like many people wouldn't have been able to do that here in southern illinois and so if you if we have larger and larger games like there's people who aren't going to be able to do it like there there are areas in southern illinois where people don't even know anyone where they could go to their house and do a big download like that just because right. the infrastructure is not there so like it's it's rough high speed internet is in very urban areas yeah and once you get out into more rural areas, more of your like kind of farm areas, which is what what a lot of Southern Illinois is, mm-hmm. uh, those people tend to not have very fast internet connections. Mm-hmm. And I can't even tell you. And even like talking about my house back in Minnesota, mm-hmm. I cannot tell you the amount of times that we've like bought internet boosters and mm-hmm. whatever to try and be able to like make our internet better because it sucks. Mm-hmm. And even with that, my sister still anytime that she's downloading a new game or playing something mm-hmm. via streaming, she has to bring her PlayStation upstairs mm-hmm. instead of in the basement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's an entirely valid concern. It's a good one to bring up, OJ, about just internet speeds. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's also been a concern for people in the military, right, mm-hmm. who are, like, on mm-hmm. bases where, mm-hmm. you know, um, and maybe overseas and they want to travel with their Xbox and mm-hmm. play the new game. And that's easier to do with a physical version than mm-hmm. a digital version in a lot of yeah. cases. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is the future, and there's certainly financial reasons they want to move towards this, but there's still a lot of hiccups. And, you know, obviously they tried to do this with the launch of the Xbox One. It was too early. There was a revolt. It ended mm-hmm. up hurting them very much mm-hmm. in market share. Um, I think they'll be smarter about it this time, but obviously... They didn't. They did not want this to leak out this way because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. this looks bad. Mm-hmm. All that said, I have an Xbox uh, Series X because it's more powerful. But when I bought a PlayStation Five, I bought the discless one because mm-hmm. it was a hundred dollars cheaper, and mm-hmm. I rarely buy physical games anymore. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. So also as part of this, uh, there is a new Xbox controller coming. So a few things kind of neat about this. It has haptic feedback. It has a rechargeable uh, that rechargeable battery that is also removable. Uh, so unlike in the PlayStation where it's just built into the mm-hmm. controller, this one you'll be able to remove. So if the battery wears down over time, mm-hmm. as batteries do as you recharge them, mm-hmm. uh, you'll actually be able to replace this. So that's pretty cool. The other thing is that it pairs and connect, uh, connects directly to the cloud. So this is something that uh, Amazon's streaming service did. They put out a controller for, I can't even remember what that's called now. Roku? No, no, it's their game streaming service oh. on Amazon. Um, and it, instead of connecting to your computer and then connecting to the internet, it just directly connects to your Wi-Fi. Uh, because nothing's actually running locally on your computer so all your commands are sent directly via Wi-Fi to uh, the servers, right? So you're playing these games over the cloud and streaming them. So it's cutting some of the um, delay in there out by cutting out a middleman. So this would do the same thing. This would cut out connecting directly to the Xbox because it would actually connect directly to the Wi-Fi and then to the X cloud servers, whatever they're called. Um, and allow you to play the games that way. And theoretically, I think what is the bigger pitch of this is this will connect theoretically with 
televisions and computers and other things that you might want to stream games to. So, you know, you wouldn't even necessarily need an Xbox. You could just directly connect and play games this way. Um, so, yeah, a, a new controller. Uh, also, as part of this, they talked about uh, their plan to launch a next-gen Xbox. So this would be an entirely new uh, generation of hardware in 2020. The X and the box. <laughs> yes, in 2028. Um, and... The one sort of tantalizing thing, they talked about a lot of kind of, you know, techno babble as part of it. But the one thing that they did mention that sounded kind of interesting is that they expected cloud computing to play a significant part of this new system. Um, they had pitched that previously with particular games. So uh, I think most famously Crackdown 3 was supposed to uh, have parts of the game running through the cloud to help like manage some of the computational work on there that ended up not happening in the way that they pitched it. And so, you know, this, again, they're pitching this idea. This is still obviously five years away. So who knows what this will end up looking like by that time, if it'll actually work. Um, but we do know they're at least planning a new generation of hardware. Uh, well, you know, with that with that new generation, if they're going with the the Fast and the Furious naming conventions, they could have Box Four Xer. Uh, <laughs> 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 or just X Five. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh man, I, I watched that Box Seven. <laughs> I watched that Fast X the other day. Mm. I hadn't seen it yet. The the newest film. Mm -hmm. Would it just be XX? Yes. <laughs> I mean, look, we're getting very close to the Xbox just being pornographic at that point. <laughs> it's a box with three X's at the end, B-O-X-X, I think. <laughs> um, let's see. They also, some game titles also leaked. Um, so one of these is Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion, a remaster of it. This has leaked previously and been rumored so this seemed to be pretty clear confirmation that they are working on a remaster of Oblivion. Also, a Fallout 3 remaster, a sequel to Ghostwire Tokyo, which is a little not surprising that they might have been thinking about this at some point. It would be kind of weird if they did it still because that game didn't maybe sell super great. But, um, again, this is a little outdated, so some of these projects may have been canceled in the intervening time. A game called Doom Year Zero, which sounds like a prequel mm. to the modern Doom games. Mm -hmm. um, and Dishonored 3, which, again, is not too shocking. Mm -hmm. uh, the Dishonored games have done fairly well over the years. Um, so Dishonored fans, something to be excited about. Uh, they also was a leaked email of them discussing Nintendo as the prime asset in gaming and being interested in acquiring Nintendo. Tell me again, you're not trying to build a monopoly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, th this has gotten a little bit misreported. The email is Phil Spencer saying, of course we would love to acquire mm -hmm. Nintendo. They're not interested in mm -hmm. us acquiring them. <laughs> you know, I think on this podcast, we talked about the story that when they were making the original Xbox, they went to Nintendo and offered to buy Nintendo, and Nintendo literally laughed them out yeah. of the room. <laughs> so, I mean, look, this is like one of those things, I think the actual context for this is everyone would love to buy Nintendo. Mm-hmm. 
PlayStation would love to buy Nintendo. Mm-hmm. EA would love to buy Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Nintendo's not interested in selling anytime mm-hmm. soon. So, yeah. And I, I mean, I guess it depends on how old, how dated these are, but I know, you know, I'm sure it was purely speculation, but with how poorly the Wii U did, I know there were people who were like, yeah, oh, I wonder if Nintendo would move to just being a software company. Mm-hmm. Um, but with how well the Switch mm-hmm. did, I think it's safe to say that yeah. Nintendo is probably fine where they're at. Yeah, and, and that was the rumor, right, mm-hmm. at yeah. the time with the Wii U, that Nintendo, much like Sega, may go third party. And that's yeah. actually what's said in this email is mm-hmm. that, you know, Phil Spencer says Nintendo needs to realize that they would be much more successful with their software on third party hardware. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, like. That was not super successful for Sega, but Sega was in a much different position mm-hmm. than Nintendo. Sega's in a pretty good position now, but they're not quite the same company they were during the Dreamcast days. Sure. Yeah. Um, so who knows with that? Um, let's see. Uh, so this just came out this morning. The UK CMA, which is the Competition and Markets Authority, has provisionally approved the Microsoft Activision deal after the sale of the uh, cloud streaming rights to Ubisoft. So that was just for the Activision games. They're selling the rights to stream those on the cloud to Ubisoft, but just in the UK. Mm. Uh, So this was a provision that they made. And this morning, the CMA, which was the last sort of group holding up this merger happening, uh, provisionally approved this. So it sounds like everything should be good to go for this merger to finally happen or this acquisition, I should say. Um, so we may actually see Activision become part of Microsoft by the end of the year. Um, let's see. Mortal Kombat 1, some more bad news. <laughs> it is getting review bombed in Russia and Belarus because they have blocked online play mm-hmm. there. Um, the game is actually blocked for sale there, but people manage mm-hmm. to get copies regardless, as mm-hmm. they always do. But uh, they have blocked online play, so even if you get a copy in Russia, you can't actually play it online. I guess you can still play it locally, just not online. Um, and hopefully you did not get the Switch version. It, I was going to say, on the Switch at least, it connects online for a lot of things, like even yeah. the story mode. So, Yeah, a lot of the um, collectibles and coins mm-hmm. and stuff like that, that's all done online. Um, let's see. Apple has said they believe the iPhone 15 Pro is going to be the best game console. <laughs> um, oh my gosh! Well, at least they finally moved to the USB-C, the superior uh, <laughs> data port. <laughs> I mean, a lot of this is just PR speak, yeah. um, but you know, like they are making look. They're getting. The newest Resident Evil. They're getting mm-hmm. Resident Evil 4 Remake, mm-hmm. right? These are things that aren't coming to Switch. Mm-hmm. So there is an argument to be made that having a 15 Pro that you can airplay to your TV and connect a controller via Bluetooth in some ways might be a better experience. Mm. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to have to be a lot more games than just Assassin's Creed Mirage and Resident mm-hmm. Evil 4 Remake. Mm-hmm. And then what was the other one you said last week? Death Stranding. Death Stranding. Mm-hmm. I keep forgetting Death Stranding coming yeah. out. I think I just generally want to forget Death Stranding. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. We talked last week about Unity and their new fee structure. Surprise, surprise, they backed off that new fee structure. 
Wow, I'm so shocked. (laughs) Yeah. The CEO, however, supposedly sold thousands of shares in the weeks leading up to that announcement Mm. of the fee structure, which sounds a little like insider trading. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is one of those things you can back off. Is any indie developer going to want to deal with Unity going forward? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. can I trust you? You've already tried to screw me over once. Can I trust you not to do that again? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the makers of Terraria uh, gave a lot of money to other small developers um, to not use Unity or something about that. I can't remember exactly what it was, but because they don't use unity themselves for Terraria, but they gave money to other groups to say, Hey, don't use unity, use other stuff. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, not cool uh, about unity mm-hmm. is they report. So apparently they have it set up. So if you're making like a game for charitable causes that mm-hmm. you don't have to pay some of these fees. So they reportedly told developers they did not qualify for charity projects, because they were the charities they were raising for were Planned Parenthood, which I can I get somebody who is extremely right wing maybe feeling that way. The second one here is really weird. It was a children's hospital, and they said these did not qualify as charities. They were political groups, which sounds like a really right wing mm-hmm. belief system to get to a children's hospital as yeah. a political group. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I can imagine is that this has to do something with, uh, with trans kids. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's the only logic I can make out of this with the mm-hmm. children's hospital. I get the Planned Parenthood side. I don't agree yeah. with it, but I get where somebody who mm-hmm. has that political belief could be upset about that. <laughs> I don't get the children's hospital at all. Those sick kids need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and cure their own cancers. <laughs> yeah, it, it just seems so cruel. Yeah. I mean, it seems so, like, besides just being mean, it's just cruel. Yeah. yeah. So, um, let's see. Uh, speaking of Activision, Nintendo reportedly showed Activision a Switch 2 in December of last year, December 2022. Um, so yeah, they've apparently had a prototype going around and showing that off for quite a while. Um, of course we talked about last week that they were showing it at Gamescom. Mm -hmm. Um, this is not surprising. All it does is sort of confirm that the switch Two is coming sooner rather than Mm -hmm. later. Yeah. I think, I don't think I said it last week, but one thing that I was thinking is, I, that seems like the type of big announcement that like the game awards that Jeff Keighley does at the end of the year, mm-hmm. that seems like one of those places that it could, mm-hmm. I can see something like that happening. Yeah. We could see a tease yeah. for it there. Um, and I think it just depends when that's actually coming out. If it's coming out in spring, like that's going to be a bigger tease. Yeah, of sure. Yeah. And if they wanted to show why we need to switch too, <laughs> they've done it pretty well. This <laughs> um, let's see. Some media outlets got to play. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, and the big news, at least that I've seen out of that, is that a flashback at the very beginning allows you to play as Sephiroth, Mm -hmm. which is apparently the first time you've been able to play as him, at least fully play as Mm -hmm. him in one of the many spinoffs and remakes and everything they've had. Um, So that's 
yeah. guess that's a minor spoiler, but it's the minor <laughs> spoiler that I think is going to end up in a trailer well, eventually. Well, my yep. guess is it's the it's the calm flashback mm-hmm. to Nibelheim. So, like, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if it is that, it will be very early in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's see. Ubisoft announced The Division 3. Uh, this is coming from Massive Entertainment, who is also working on that Avatar game and Star Wars Outlaws. Avatar will be out this Christmas. I think it's supposed to be out in December. So, anyways, um, it looks like they will pivot from that. I, I can't believe that studio is working on three games at a time other than maybe doing pre-production work. So, probably that team that's been working on Avatar will switch over and work on that full-time. Um Let's see. Crystal Dynamics, the makers of Tomb Raider, have announced layoffs as part of a restructuring. Uh, So remember, they are now owned by Embracer, who is selling off studios and firing people. This seemed to affect mostly the people working for them in, like, their PR and IT departments, so not the actual developers. Uh, But, you know, obviously we wish those people well, finding new work and everything. Um, And... So this ties into our big question, our last news item. Just this morning announced Tales of the Shire, uh, a game coming for PC and consoles in 2024. That's all. There's a trailer, which is just somebody flipping through a book. (laughs) And is that by the same people that made the Gollum game? (laughs) (laughs) I I do not think so. Okay. No, that studio shut down. Oh, well, I feel bad now. <laughs> <laughs> you should. <I> Monster. Should. <laughs> um, and the reason I say that ties into our big question, because it's apparently International Hobbit Day. Yes, it is. Today is Bilbo and Frodo's birthday. So our question is, what's your favorite game adaptation of another piece of media? So of a movie, a book, a, you know, a musical album. Um, is there something that you really love that's adapted from another piece of media? Justin, you're missing the second half of the question. The full question is, and why is it the PlayStation 2 Lord of the Rings? <laughs> yes, well, that's Alicia's part of the question. So I think I we contributed already, the question, so I get mm-hmm. to add that. <laughs> I, I think we already know Alicia's answer to this question, but we'll go ahead and like humor her. Alicia, what's your answer? Um, obviously I really had to struggle with thinking about this and I really had to narrow it down. No, it's PlayStation 2 Lord of the Rings. I would love to see a remake or a remaster, but honestly, you're talking about those EA action games. Yeah. Like they made one of each novel. Right. And those are good games. Those are really great games. They're fantastic. And what I really like, what makes them still stand out to me today is like, Lord of the Rings is something that we've seen fantastic adaptations and we've seen terrible adaptations, sometimes from the same director. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) But the fact is, like, the best medium to adapt it is video games because you can create a 500-hour video Mm -hmm. game where you can get all those details from the book. <laughs> Please do not make a 500-hour video game. <laughs> Look, I would sink 500 hours into a Lord of the Rings game. That was good. But, like, you can There's get There's a difference all that stuff. between seeking 500 hours <laughs> and the game itself taking 500 yeah. hours. That's fair. But, like, you know, with a game, you can get that stuff like Tom Bombadil that mm-hmm. right. has never made it into any of the movie adaptations, and I get it, but also I want it. So it's got to be... Mm-hmm. I, the PS2 Lord of the Rings, Fellowship, 
I remember did a lot of the stuff with Frodo in the Shire still, and just, I want those back. Gal, right. just play Lord of the Rings online. Watros is a perfectly fine MMO. <laughs> I, I would. I didn't have it on PS2. I had Return of the King on the GameCube, but yeah, that is a very good game. I played Two Tars quite a bit. I had that yeah. on. I think PlayStation Two, and that was a fantastic game. Um, all right, Mario. So I had two answers. Uh, the first one, I think it's. I think it's fair to call this game a classic. I don't know if most people know it's based off of a book, though. Is Parasite Eve the PlayStation mm-hmm. RPG? And then the second one, which also might be weird because typically these games are terrible, it would be the licensed game for the animated movie Monster House. Oh, gosh, um, I remember that it was movie. It a movie that came out in, like, 2006. It mm-hmm. was terrifying. That game is awesome. It's huh. essentially Resident Evil 4. It's <laughs> Baby's first survival <laughs> horror game. That game is sick as hell. There's also a game within the movie, uh, like an arcade game that they play, that they put into the, the game. It's called Thou Art Dead, and it is, it's basically a Castlevania, like the old formula of Castlevania games that you can play through. Right. You collect, like, tokens in the house, and you can, like, play the game. Mm-hmm. It's a great game. Huh. Now, now I want to play that, because I actually really liked that movie when it came out. I thought that was a fun movie, and uh, I knew nothing about the game. And I think one of the things they do that's very cool is, you know, I think one of the things that a lot of those movie games do is you play through the first hour of the movie where it's like nobody cares about what's going on like get to the action the game drops you it starts you once they get into the house Uh so it just gives you like a real brief like Mm -hmm. here's all the stuff and all the background on like why the house is scary and stuff like that that you get eaten by the house and you start Mm -hmm. inside the house so you don't have to do all of like the lore building that Nobody cares about in a lot of those games. You don't have to do platforming yeah. through the neighborhood. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like old women are throwing shoes at you. <laughs> You're like, what is this? This isn't in the movie. Uh, OJ. Okay, so little known fact: there was there was a triple A movie in 1993 called Super Mario Brothers that the entire Mario <laughs> franchise was based off of. It had John Leguizamo, Bob Hoskins, Dennis Hopper, and. It's been a true realization of that movie through every game in the Mario Mario franchise. I remember the original Mario game, people feeling like it was a real departure from the movie. No, I think it was it was it was frame by frame an honest <laughs> representation of it. Uh, and by that I mean I couldn't think of something, so <laughs> um, all right. I, I decided to go a slightly different route and I chose Revolution X. So are you familiar with Revolution X, the arcade game? It is adapted from the music of Aerosmith. Okay. And it is Aerosmith music playing over every level while you shoot a machine gun that fires CDs (laughs) at terrorists. And you are rescuing, um, I think you are rescuing uh, Aerosmith, the members mm. of Aerosmith. But that game I is... feel like I remember this. It was in arcades everywhere mm. for a while. It is a stupid game, mm-hmm. but it's a whole lot of fun as an arcade <laughs> game. And it's pretty cool that it's playing Aerosmith and regardless of kind of that they're terrible people now, apparently. But, um, it, you know, the, the music's fun and everything. It made for a really cool, fun uh, experience. All right, that does it for this week. As always, check out more stuff on salukigames.com. Subscribe, like, rate the podcast well. Uh, Thank you to all of our crew, and we will be back soon with a new episode. Bye.